Yo, 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 well, what is up? And welcome back to the Unfiltered um, DJ Podcast. This is a place where teens and all of us can just, you know, talk about issues that we go through. Um, you should listen to my podcast because it is the best. And again, no one's doing it um, like I am. Um, this is a place you get in where teens can feel listened and not alone. I give you topics and you talk about them. We go through so much daily um, from, you know, heartbreak to, you know, just people not believing us. So I'm just here to be your relatable friend, cousin, brother, uncle, whatever you want me to be. And today is not just any regular day. This is not, um, it's almost like I have a president on my show today. So it's very, you got to be very professional with it all. Um, but I'm very uh, happy to have um one of my city's very own Webster to come and, you know, just talk about what he's doing. So without further introduction, here he is to you all, Webster. It's going. Yes. How is it going? <laughs> it's going good. You know, um, it's definitely I've been pretty, pretty busy these last you know few weeks, you know, because it's getting closer to the election day. Yes. And um, it's, exactly. Is it again? How many days? Yes. About 25, I believe. 25. Yeah. Are you are you happy, nervous? <laughs> I'm just a, it's like you know, for me it's like it's I'm ex- kind of exhausted, but at yeah. the same time it's like, you know, whatever the outcome is, it is what it is, you know. I'm not worried. Yeah. You know, I just go out there, I try and, you know, put my message out and then let the people support me, you know, and people can support me with their vote. So Got it. Yes. So we're just going to get right into our first question, which is really, where are you from and what do you currently do? So I'm from East Palo Alto. Um, I was born in Oakland at the Naval Hospital and um, I was raised mostly in East Palo Alto. My family uh, has lived in East Palo Alto since the 50s, so almost 70 years. and, you know, I grew up here, I went to school here, went to Menlo Atherton High School, um, then to San Jose State University. Um, and I currently work at uh, Genentech in South San Francisco. So I've really been in the Bay Area my whole life and East Palo Alto has always um, been, you know, my home, so. Yes, that's great to know. You know what I'm saying? That people are out here and they're just, um, they're making it as like we all can say so going into my next question how was you know how was life in epa um was it role models and did you find inspiration within your own city um growing up in epa was actually pretty fun you know Mm. being able to be involved in sports football baseball growing up with your friends, going to high school with them, you know, and there's just a lot of programs for us in the community because, you know, it was at one point, you know, the murder capital of the United States. So there was a lot of investment in us, our, the youth, um, you know, to help prevent us from um, going into, you know, that lifestyle, you know. Um, and so there were a lot of uh, role models there, you know, a lot of coaches, a lot of um, people who are still in the community today. Um, that I respect, you know, because they, you know, I could, you know, I'm an adult now and I can see how much time, you know, it takes to really get involved with the community. Like after work, you're going to practice to help teach the boys in your community because you're actually interested in, you know, helping, you know. So, um, you know, I grew up here and, you know, I have respect for a lot of the people in the community 
and those are my role models, you know. Um, and um, yeah, so that's yeah. Yes, got it. That definitely that definitely sounds good. And mm -hmm. um, how was you know life as as they would say a teen growing um, growing up was he, like you said you said was it was fun correct? Yeah, it was very fun, you know. And that's the cool thing is because you know as a teenager there's a, you can get into a lot of trouble, you know, but you can also do a lot of good. And luckily, you know, there were the opportunities there for me to do good, you know, and a lot of people, you know, they fell for the trap, you know, and they didn't make it or they're, you know, not doing well. But, um, yeah, I would say it was fun, um, you know, but at the same time, like, I remember being in high school and having people I know die, you know, from violence, you know, in the community. And that's probably the negative aspect of, you know, growing up in a lower income, you know, neighborhood. But, you know, if there's a will, there's a way, you know, and um, I would say if you have aspirations to do uh, or be somebody, there's always the opportunity to do that. And that's what's, what's good about LAC Small Alto, because there was whether if you wanted to be an entrepreneur, learn entrepreneurship, go into sports, robotics or you know, whatever, you know, there's always the opportunity there. Yes, got it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, growing up as well, what did you have um, any of the, any moment that you can really remember that knocked me down moment, that moment in life that made you who you are today? That was either when you were growing up or in life. What was, you know, think about that moment that, you know, that was like really in a way hard to get past or even to go through. Well, um, I would say, you know, when I was in high school, I was in this program called Build. I don't know if you've heard of it, but they teach entrepreneurship to like high school students. Um, well, my sophomore year, I was uh, selected or was chosen to be the entrepreneur of the year by the uh, National Foundation for Teaching Entrepreneurship. And so I was able to take my mother to New York City to accept this award in Times Square. You know, and that's really like showed me, um, you know, life is kind of like being an entrepreneur, investing in yourself, um, marketing yourself, um, doing the work, putting in the work and working on a project and making sure it goes through to completion. And but that was kind of the moment that kind of like says, you know what, I can do anything. You know, if I study and I work hard enough, I can make things happen, you know. Um, and it's really just about not quitting and being able to have perseverance. And those are the things that I learned, you know, through that program of entrepreneurship. And then, you know, the award was kind of like the icing on the cake, you know. And so, um, you know, having those experiences at a young age, that really helped me. You know, it's like a lot of people, they're hopeless. They have no hope. They feel like, you know what, I'm in this situation. You know, I'm in a bad situation. I can't make it out. But, you know, if you really work hard and you put in the work, you can make things happen. I agree with that. Um, I agree with that because I just feel like, you know, I'm very into, you know, entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it really it really fits into, um, you know, the next question, which was really um, 
when did you realize you were ready to move on to that next stage in life? When, when, when did you realize you were ready to, you know, cause you've always been doing business, but yeah. when, did you, when did you realize, okay, I'm an adult now I have to make my own decisions because again, the people on this podcast, you know, the people, my age teens, they're like, what, what am I, when, when, it, when, when do I realize I hit that grow? I'm grown up now. I need to make my own decisions. I think what's most important is, um, I know this is a, a lot of young people go through this is like, okay, I'm 18, I'm an adult, you know, just because I'm legally, you know, old enough. but it's not true. Oh. You know? It's not true. I mean, you know, you turn 18 in high school. Yeah. You can start smoking cigarettes and you, know, you can join the military. You can go off to Afghanistan, but you know, I would say try and stay as young as you can. And as, and and there's nothing wrong with you know having your support with you and, and your family and your parents you know um you know i was 18 i went off to college you know and then i still you know i had my parents support you know for a long time a lot of people still do in their 30s um it's really just about being humble and you know your family's there to support you so if i had a message for the young people on what point they think they're an adult I would say when you're able to, you know, stand on your own feet, but also you just need to be humble and, you know, and try and work with your parents. You know, they're there to support you. Um, but you're an adult, really. At least when I felt I became an adult was when I'm when I have my own car. You know, I'm paying my own insurance. You know, you have your own place, and you answer really to yourself. Like, you know, you pay your bills. You know, but. I wouldn't say be in a rush to do all that stuff because don't be in a um, rush. Don't be in a rush, you know. Um, do everything at the right time, you know. When the time is right, when you feel confident, when you have that job that it will support you, because you know I think a lot of people they get they become a uh, adult or they get eighteen and they figure, you know, life is about struggling, you know, and doing it on your own. No, people get help from their parents, you know. That's the that's the truth. <laughs> you think yeah, about at the same time, a lot of us like me, I'm more, I'm definitely um on the independent side. So it's kind yeah. of like, I already at 17. It's like it's like mm, do I should I ask or do I just want to figure this out on my own? Because it's like I don't know you you. There's so much going on. This is this you. There's I mean I'm my life is not um ruled by social media, but I know for a lot of people. Um, yeah. Social media that could play a platform. There's um, their so favorite celebrity. There's yeah. um, the people on the streets that could play. So it's like they have yeah. so much people to look at. Yeah, I would say you know, um, for if you're young, focus on setting yourself up for success when you do become independent. You know, go to school, study. You know, get that knocked out. You know, um, and give yourself. Um, make sure you're ready. You know. Um, at 18, what kind of job opportunities can you have that will allow you to support yourself even here in the Bay Area? You know, not too many. You can't work at like Chipotle and pay $3,000 a month in rent, you know, for your own place. You know, um, go to school, study, get your degree, get you, get you an internship um, or start a business, do something, you know, but at least put yourself on that path to where that you can go into adulthood smoothly don't you don't gotta like burn all your bridges you know and and so and struggle because struggling will sometimes people they can't handle the struggle so no so that's why a lot of people are my age or even your age is, is stuck in a state of depression or they just 
Yeah, they get stuck. They get, they get, yeah, they get stuck in a job that they don't want to be in, you know. And for me, it's like I went to college. I got to uh, study a lot of different things. I kept my mind open. I found what I like to do, and I get paid to do what I like, you know. And uh, you know, you just really gotta, you know, keep your mind open. I mean, I think what. I think you know this happens not just to young people because I mean everyone's been young at this some at a certain point in their life and they get too focused on money you know at a young age like I can't go to school man I can't be broke you know I need to have money to go to the club go drink and do all this stuff but you know the money that that you would make at that age isn't a whole lot you know it's not enough to support you it's enough for you to go to Ross get some clothes you know, um, go out, go on some dinner dates, stuff like that. But um, I had a lot of friends who were just like, they didn't want to go to school because they didn't want to be broke. Mm. So they end up working retail jobs, you know, that are dead end jobs. And then, you know, now they're struggling. Um, and, you know, because they were so focused on that, I need that dollar, I need, I need that money. You know, sometimes you have to take a step back, humble yourself, yeah, the struggle in school, knock it out three, four years. And once you're done with that, you have your degree, you're getting your first career, you know, then you're good, you're straight, you know. But then at that same time, okay, yeah, you were broke and struggling, but you know, um, it's worth it. You know, everyone has to like go through something to really, you know, find what they want. So nothing's easy, nothing's going to be given to you. Yes, listen to the wise words. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now that we got a chance to, you know, to know a little bit about you, um, of course, the real reason why everyone, almost a lot of people are tuned in is because, again, you're running for the council. Yeah. So, um, now we're going to transition into that. So my first question um, is when or if you're selected, um, what do you want your final goal to be when it's your time to transition um, or move on? From the council? Yes. Um, so... Um, well, my goal is really to give back to my community, you know, to begin with, um, you know, I'm not looking at what's my next step at this point, you know, my goals are centered around helping make, you know, East Palo Alto a better place, um, helping to make sure that our residents are protected you know, because East Palo Alto is a unique city here on the peninsula. It's different than Palo Alto. It's different than Menlo Park. You know, we have different needs. And um, for me, it's just an opportunity for me to give back to the community that has, you know, blessed me and given me so many opportunities. Um, but if I were to move on, it'd be into a, a different um, leadership role. You know, maybe I could run for state senate or governor or president. You know, so, uh, the the ceiling, there is no ceiling, you know, so. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is my community. I love East Palo Alto, um, you know, because, you know, it's it's a part of my history and I just want to be able to give back. Yes, um, that's yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. So um, now I'm going to move on and touch on some of um, the topics um, you guys should definitely check out his website because um, I went to go um, take some looks and I um, just have some um, questions that we're just going to go with. Um, so the first aspect we're going to touch on is the education aspect. Mm -hmm. um, what are you what are you going to tackle 
um, on education and what is your your take on the current our current cities um, the way that they're handling the education in this specific city yeah so I've, I get a lot of uh, questions about that and I know that coming from East Palo Alto and say even going to Menlo Atherton there's definitely disparities in our education system um, whether it's the gap in science technology engineering and math, like the stem um, yeah, but you know, I want to you know invest and partner with um, a lot of the organizations in the community, or even new organizations that focus on the sciences, the technology, engineering, and math, because those are the jobs here in the the Bay Area. So we need to be making sure our youth are prepared for those jobs. You know, um, a lot of people they'll complain about gentrification, but gentrification is a result of a lack of opportunities and a lack of training and um, the cost of living. So, you know, um, one of the things that I could focus on is education and making sure that, you know, our youth are performing at a level or exceeding a level, you know, comparative to a lot of the surrounding cities. Um, but yeah, I mean, one of my biggest focuses is on education because I think Nelson Mandela said um, the biggest, uh, uh, um, he said, some, it, it went something like this. It's education is the biggest tool to fight uh, poverty or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, and if you've ever traveled the world, you know that a lot of the poorest countries are the least educated. Mm. You know? yeah. And so by, and then even, you know, if you think about back to slavery, why did they make sure that we couldn't read, you know? They didn't want us to be successful. They didn't want us to be successful. They didn't want us to be smart and become self-aware and realize that this we're not so inferior, you know? Yeah. So education is a foundation for, you know, um, our society. And educational opportunities um, will really determine your outcome in life, you know, um, if you think about it. So in order to make things better, we really have to focus on education and uh, making sure that we're investing in the right um, things. And, uh, you know, my, I, I work in science and technology. I work in, at Genentech, a biotechnology company. And um, so I, I, I have the experience and I've gone through, I've lived in East Palo Alto. So um, yeah. that's really one of the things I want to focus on. I think education is important. I'm not running for the Ravenswood School District, but, you know, um, getting back to that, um, I went to Menlo Atherton. What, where'd you go to high school? Oh, that one too as well. Oh, you went to Menlo Atherton? Yes. Okay. So when you went to Menlo Atherton, you noticed well, how it was... Well, I, it's, it, mine was more in like a cathedral, so it's just, it was a whole situation, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, but you know when you went to Menlo Atherton, it seemed like two schools in one, where you have yeah, the... the what I, yeah. You have the AP track, you know, with all the kids from West Menlo Park. And then you have the lower track with all the students from Ravenswood, East Palo Alto, Bellhaven, right? And so, yeah, I feel like um, again, a lot of times that's um, from some of the people that I know that go there now. They're saying it's a lot of times the school is um, divided, but it's some yeah. by race. There's the people. There's over here. There's over there. Yeah. But it's yeah, and it's crazy. And, and the question is, is why is that? We live in the same, and we live in the, in the in the Bay Area. We should have the same schools, the same opportunities. Why are students from East Palo Alto uh, in different and lower classes? You know, 
your zip code should not determine your uh, educational opportunities and your outcomes. So, um, you know, I, that's one thing that I want to work on and, you know, partner with people in the community to really make sure that our students and then our, our young people have those opportunities and have the, the best chances that they can get at life. And, you know, so. Yes. Um, thank you for that. Yeah. Um, because that's definitely um, important. Yeah. Um, so I was uh, when I was also looking, I also seen that you um, one of the issues that was important to you was police reform. Mm -hmm. And um, as me being um, having led and being in many protests from not just one city, but many cities, mm -hmm. what does that look like? for you and how would you what what is your goal when you're which you know how you would be tackling that yeah so when it comes to police reform you know i feel like police they're necessary you know mm. if someone's gonna, someone robs your house who you're gonna call you know the police if someone's just shooting in front of your house who you're gonna call the police you know so they they serve a necessary um role in society to make sure things are okay um but the issue really arrives at arises when you have over policing you know where that you know like in the police um from other cities exactly you know what i'm talking about coming yeah. in and trying to attack the residents yeah you know we want police that serve the community that protect and serve the community not occupy and and are used as a way to uh you know suppress people and you know discriminate um i think police should be held to a high standard um, you know, and that's how, what I think about it. Um, in terms of reforms, you know, I kind of want to work on reducing um, the interaction between police and, you know, residents in their community. Um, you know, in terms of like, sir, I mean, because when you look at the, the cases of George Floyd, he was killed over a, a, a counterfeit $20 bill or something like that. Michael Brown killed for jaywalking. Um, Trayvon Martin, he was killed by a neighborhood watch guy, wasn't even a police officer, you know? Um, I think we need to take a preventative approach, just how they, just the same way that they do in medicine, you know? Whereas you get tested every year, you get a physical every year to prevent things from happening down the line. So when it comes to policing, I think we need to take a preventative approach. We're asking too much from our police. Um, I think, you know, they should really focus on fighting crimes, um, real crime, murders, homicides, you know, things like that, you know, not instead of dealing with a lot of um, petty and small issues that uh, that can get escalated into the situations where people are getting killed. Um, mm. I support police reforms that um, provide training and you know, officers, you know, to help them um, navigate dealing with certain issues without using force, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I support, uh, you know, I, su I support, you know, a lot of the reform reforms that make it so that like things like chokeholds aren't being used on people, you know, unnecessary force where you're throwing people into the ground and, and, and stuff like that. You know, I think there should be some checks and balances. Um, police should also be held accountable. Um, there's no oversight in, on, on a lot of police forces. So we need oversight and accountability. You know, that's the biggest thing. You know, year after year, we hear of people getting killed and shot by police, but nobody, have you seen anybody get jail time? If no. any, you, know? They, you know what they, they do, what I, a lot of people and people um, don't understand is that 
they'll they'll be like, oh, like, oh my God, they got this um, high bail. But what they don't understand, a lot of times they they negotiated that bail. So when you know yeah. one of the officers that attacked George Floyd was released, it was it was shocking. But I wasn't shocked because I knew that he had the money, and that was something that was discussed that he mm -hmm. was going to be released. He wasn't even there for like an hour or two at the at the jail before he was gone. You know, it's kind of it's crazy the world that we live in where people can kill people with impunity. Yeah. And um, you know, I think there's nothing wrong with being a police officer if you honestly want to serve the community and help make the community safer. Um, but it's another thing to be discriminatory and um, you know, and kill people without any remorse. You know, so um, I think that we need uh, oversight and accountability, you know, um, because there's often no repercussions to face when you when you pull out a gun as a police officer and you decide to use it, you know, you better make sure that you're justified in using it and not just because you're scared, you know. Exactly. Um, there's countless, I mean, it's like that's, that's a, being a police officer, it's a profession, you know. Yeah. You can decide to quit whenever you feel like it. You know, and I to quit when we want to be black because no. everywhere every day. Yeah, you know, I'm a black man. I can't take off my skin. No, <laughs> no. So yelling in on us. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, um, you know what you signed up for. You know, your life is going to be on the line. You know, you can't go into that situation being scared, and then mm -hmm. he use that to justify you killing someone. You know, every year we're, it's the same narrative. Oh, a big, angry black man. They demonize us. They make us into these super, uh, super demons, like exactly how they did Trayvon Martin, you know. And, um, you know, just using that to justify killing people, you know. So, nevertheless, you know, I don't want to go too much into this. But, uh, you know, I'm just going to say that we need oversight and we need accountability. Um, and I think that's what's you know most important. I think we should just hold police to a high standard because yes, they are necessary, but those standards and that accountability I think need to be in place. Yes, thank you for answering that. Um, so another one of the issues that is definitely important to me is affordable housing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when we're talking about affordable housing, um what does that look like again for you and how are those discussions happening for the East Palo Alto residents and not Facebook employees. Because yeah. a lot of times what people don't know is that um, they want to talk about these affordable housings, but yet um, these employees are being placed so locally that our residents are being pushed out, going mm -hmm. to Sacramento, all these places where they're not jobs that are sustaining the family enough. So then that that leads to commuting and all the X, Y, and Z. So how, yeah. what, how, what are you doing about that? Um, you know, I think, you know, the whole housing situation, it's a regional problem. I think Palo Alto produces more affordable housing than a lot of other cities. Um, but, you know, I think we should focus on tenant protections um, and producing um, housing at all income levels, you know, because at the end of the day, the housing market, it's based upon supply and demand. You know, the demand comes from the tech workers. And we have places like in Palo Alto where they build these massive campuses to bring in more workers and more workers every day. You know, they haven't, but what have they done in terms of housing? 
you know? Sure. So building all these commercial real estate projects that bring in thousands of workers every day, not building any housing for them is going to make housing prices go up for everybody, you know? And so we need to hold these people accountable, you know? Um, Palo Alto, Menlo Park has ordinances where you can't tear anything down unless you, um, you can't build anything unless you tear something down. So that kind of limits regional growth because they kind of want to maintain their sort of suburban feel. Um, but, you know, I think we should you know, definitely try and partner with the surrounding region. It's like, okay, over the last 10 years, what have we, what has been, what, what has been bought like to East Palo Alto or East Menlo Park? You know, we've saw an Amazon campus come up, uh, or not an Amazon building, Sobrato, that building. And know. I don't know, and it was a little crazy to me that, because um, I feel like in a way, I don't know, you can correct me, but I feel in a way that um, the city kind of in a way did get played um, because I, from what I know, um, they were told they were going to supply the jobs for the people in our community, big plans, all of X, Y, and Z. Um, then I go there on the day of the release at the opening of it right there on the university. Yeah. And I just see this small little um, Office Depot sign saying, um, uh, I think like a workshop center and they only demand, they only gave us this small little corner section. I'm just like, wow, what, this is what they, I thought they promised us more. The, the council people before were just so excited about it. I was like, oh, this is, I'm very shocked at yeah. the uh, Yeah. <laughs> You know, I feel you because it seems like, you know what, all we got in return was a small office under the parking garage. That's it. <laughs> a a small office under the, a job train office under their parking garage. You know, we have to do better than that. Um, and, you know, it's like we're bringing in that office brings in 1300 workers uh, probably a day. Mm. Um, and at the same time, have we built 1300 housing units? <laughs> so, <laughs> No, so now you're competing with people who are making $200,000 a year, you know, $250,000 a year. Those are, that's what engineers make at Google, Facebook um, by themselves. So, you know, um, even in terms of like measure uh, HH, you know, which is supposed to be the tech ta tech tax, mm -hmm. I think they only get, they only generate maybe $500,000 a year in revenue from that one uh, building. Um, that where the Amazon's located. Um, that's the equivalent to two employee salaries. Wow. Of thirteen hundred people that come in, and that's all we get in a, in a small job train office. I mean, come on, you know. <laughs> Nevertheless, you know, I work in biotechnology, but I grew up here. This is my city. You know, mm -hmm. I'm coming to. I'm running to give back and to help support people who aren't as well off as I am. Mm -hmm. You know. And you know, one of the things that I you know want to focus on is making sure that to, uh, that we're all these developments serve our residents. You know, um, you know, because the Amazon building, yes, it brings revenue to the city. You know, Sobrato's happy, the developers are happy, Amazon's happy. But what about the residents and the people who live here? Mm. You know, what, what did we get from that? You know, the homeowners, yes, they their property values were going up to a million dollars. You know, if you own property here, you're you're all you're an instant millionaire. You know, but what about everybody else? You know, they just want us gone. So, nevertheless, I'm here to focus on, um, you know, providing people with opportunities that allows them to get into those jobs. You know, at, at Amazon, at Google, and Facebook. 
you know, so that they can stay here and, and live in their community. And uh, yeah, so, I mean, you know, it seems like, like, you know, over the last 10 years, we got a Facebook, got a very large campus that brings in 20 to 30,000 people. Every day. Yeah. yeah, you know that, that massive thing where they have the, uh, they have the, um, on the top of that trees and stuff, that, that new, you, yes. yeah, that thing, you know, they built that, they're building all kinds of hotels and stuff over there. They've got the Amazon building, but those jobs aren't for us, you know? So, you know, that is what's gonna exacerbate gentrification is really a lack of opportunities and lack of affordable housing. And, you know, I wanna approve of those developments in East Palo Alto and keep pushing them forward, you know? Um, Keep continuing to provide people with opportunities at gainful employment, um, focusing on like small businesses. Because I remember I grew up here, there was like Whiskey Gulch and, you know, people had their own restaurants and and things like that and and stuff. And that's all been wiped out. You know, now most of our restaurants are on food trucks, you know, because it's so expensive. People like, you know, um, you know, Jonathan's, you know, they used to be over there in Menlo Park, but now they you know, it's better for them. But, you know, I really want a, a vibrant city, a vibrant downtown um, that's cultural and, uh, you know, making sure that the development here serves our residents. So, yes. Um, thank you for that. Yeah. Um, we were, you know, talking about, um, you know, just opportunities and just making it and doing things like that. So, just to, you know, move it on a little bit. Um, you know, education was an important part, you know, of your life. So do yeah. you necessarily feel like education was your way out or was it your way into the life that you wanted? Um, I figured education has always been important to me. Um, and I wouldn't say it was a way out, but it was a way in, you know, to my, what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, I knew in high school, I kind of wanted to go into medicine um, to become a doctor. Um, but nevertheless, I got into research and that led me into getting my first job at um, the Stanford Research Institute, you know, SRI, right across the street from Menlo Atherton. Oh. And then um, working at Merck um, in Palo Alto and doing um, amino oncology research. And so education has always been a part of my life, even whether or not I'm in college or not, I'm still learning new things, you know. Exactly. Um, it's, you don't have to go to college to become educated. You know, you can, there's so many free educational resources on the internet. You know, you can learn how to code. Like, you know, Zuckerberg, he went, he just, he's a college dropout, but he started coding when he was in like middle school or something like that, you know? So we need to provide our middle schoolers with those opportunities, you know, so that we have people who grow up to become CEOs and start these businesses so that they can hire and employ and, you know, people from their communities, you know? So, um, you know, for me, education was always a way for me to, uh, to uh, improve my situation and also a way for me to, um, you know, make a better life for myself, you know? So that's how I see it. Yes. Yes. Um, thank you for that. Um, yeah. So I'm going to touch on one more of the, your, one of your last um, issues that I okay. found actually quite interesting, mm -hmm. um, which was restorative justice. Mm -hmm. um, so who does this plan benefit and how 
how are you going to bring this about in the council if you when you're selected or if you're selected okay so um and you know, maybe some people don't even know what restorative justice is <laughs> okay so if you think back to how East Palo Alto became a city and how you know it became ethnically um, African American, you know Latino and Polynesian, it was because we couldn't buy homes in Palo Alto. It was because of redlining, you know. So even though we have a lot of middle class families, because East Palo Alto, just because we're uh, ethnically diverse doesn't mean we're poor. No. You know, there's a lot of middle class. And people who are were wealthy that lived and owned businesses here in East Palo Alto that were successful people. Exactly. You know? But um, at the end of the day, we've been left out a lot of uh, out of from a lot of the economic um, um, surplus. A lot of the economic, you know, uh, the uh, the benefits, you know, of being in Silicon Valley, you know, and so you know, the systematic exclusion and economic exclusion, you know, is really what it's trying to combat. And also to make things more equitable, you know, and give people uh, and make sure people have an equal playing field. Um, and so my idea, it wasn't really my idea. It was based upon a study done by um, the city of San Francisco um, and I would like to implement that here in East Palo Alto. Um, and it's really focusing on, you know, when it comes to um, police budgets, when people talk about defunding or the, the police, it's really more of investing in the people, you know, is, is putting a lot of money into policing, it, will that, is that a good return on our investment, you know? Um, you know, it all, so it all depends on how it is, how it does work. Because I know, um, I would be, I would open bug my eyes if I heard that there's a lot of funding going to police, and then it's like, and I feel like nothing's changing. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, is our community is our community safer? <laughs> you know, you know, crime in East Palo Alto is at all time lows, but we we're spending more and more money, you know, on policing. So it's not particularly aimed at completely removing and dissolving our police force, but it's like, hey, let's take a step back. Maybe we should focus on the people. You know, maybe we are better off investing in our citizens and our residents exactly. than just um, militarizing or making sure that our making our police force um, even stronger, you know? Um, and it's really, some people are like, anytime you bring up police budgets or anything, they're like, you're anti-police, you're anti-police. No, I'm realistic. I'm thinking like an investor, you know? It's like, yes, you could spend all your money on the best home security system, you know, the cameras, all that stuff. But, <laughs> you know, or you could just, you know, uh, it's like, does that, does the more money you keep spending on that stuff, is that going to make your house safer? Is it going to prevent someone from trying to rob your house, you know? Yeah, I've seen that, like other documentaries that there actually used to be the there's the citizens that would be out there, yeah, um, just holding it down. <laughs> Simple yeah, as that. community policing, you know. Um, so you know, uh, when it comes to getting back to restorative justice, you know, um, I think it's really more about economic development and community development. Um, we have a lot of developments that are going to be coming to the city and um, a lot of people who've been historically left out. And so it's really just allow 
a lot of our entrepreneurs in the city and a lot of our business people to be able to take advantage of this new development, um, you know, and also to make sure that, you know, we're investing in things that will help make East Palo Alto a better place for the residents. It's like, you know, we can continue. It's like, um, in a lot of neighborhoods, a lot of children, a lot of crime could be prevented if we're investing in them, you know, from an early age. And if we're providing them with the opportunities that keep them engaged, you know, um, there's two ways you can do it. It's like, okay, yeah, we can invest in people or we could just beef up our police force. If they get out of line, they're gonna get arrested and go to jail and that's it, you know? Exactly. It's, like the war on, it's like the war on drugs. What does it really solve, you know? Um, it's, it's more spending and more spending is like, we've been historically and economically excluded. Our schools have been poor, you know, our infrastructure is messed up. Um, you know, I remember going to, I graduated from Menlo Atherton. I remember when I started, there were maybe 15, 20 African-American men that I knew in my class. I think by the time I graduated, um, or got to my senior year, there were maybe five of us left that didn't get like sent to the adult school or whatever. Um, I would say a majority of the African-American men that I knew went to prison, then went to college. From East Palo Alto, you know, two of us, I think three of us went to college, two of us graduated. Um, I would say maybe a, a handful went to jail or prison for maybe robbery or something crazy, you know, but it's like, when I think about just growing up here and seeing statistics like that, you know, it just, it, it really, you know, I'm, you know, it just, it's sad. Yeah. You know? It's like the system isn't set up for us to succeed. So we have to do something that will restore justice to the system. Yes. And you that, actually, yes. And that and actually, so, or go ahead. Oh no, where you, I was going to, you can go. Yeah. So I was saying, so it's really like getting back to that. We have to do extra, you know, to help people. Um, and taking a little bit of funding, say from, from police and other resources is just a small step in doing that. So um, that's really how I feel. Yes, and that actually goes into my question, which was, um, what would you say to some of the people who are thinking about some of the youth out there or just people in general who are thinking about getting into, you know, government or, you know, running for council or wanting to be into science? What would, would you what would you what would you say to them? I would say, you know what, you're young, take hold of your future. You know, don't let someone who's 60, 70, 80 years old dictate to you how you're going to live your life. Somebody better listen. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you have a lot of life to live and your your life is is affected by someone who within the next 20 years probably will be gone. You know, your whole life is basically dictated by the people who came before you, you know. So I would say, you know, get motivated, you know, and never think that you're too young to do something. You know, a lot of people in the civil rights movement were in their 20s. I think, um, was it Fred Hampton? He was 18 or 19, you know, in Chicago. Uh, Martin Luther King was in his 30s, um, early uh, mid 20s, you know. So um, a lot of the movement and a lot of the change that we've seen in this country has come from young people being motivated to make change to existing problems. And if there's something you don't like, you know, don't give up. On the systems, a lot of people say, oh, I'm not going to vote. I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to run. You know what? I figured it's better for me to run 
and to try and make a difference than for me to just like vote and or me to just give money to any organization, you know, because we need people who are in the position to make these decisions. You know, you can be a judge, you can be a lawyer, you can give back to your community, help, you know, help um, improve people's situations, you know, try and do those things, be a leader, step up to the plate, use your, um, your role and your position and all your opportunities to help make things better for not only yourself, but other people. And, you know, I think that um, young people should continue to get involved. You know, you can vote at 18, you can run for city council at 18. You know, no one's telling you you can't do it. A lot of people think you need experience or you need a degree, you need all this. No, I mean, you just need to be able to work with the people and represent the people, you know? So, um, you know, a lot of people like now, they think that not a lot of people, but, you know, so at least I'm I'm running because I want to give back to my community. And I figured this is the best way for me to do it. And I just wish also that, you know, for the people that are, you know, <clears throat> running that people just would, um, you know, just, you know, kind of stand like, you know, not stay in your lane, but stay in your lane. <laughs> I've, yeah. I've been seeing a lot of some some comments and stuff that mm-hmm. I it's, it's yeah. like, why are we why are we we shouldn't be picking on people. And yeah, I, I, I see that. To me, that it's like um, because it almost looks like you. It's like you can call out somebody else's racism, quote unquote. But it's like you. It looks like you're being racist to other people, and so it's just so much going on that I just see that. It's like if you're all running, because imagine if you meet the person that you've been, you know talking negatively online and you're sitting at the same table as them because you not only they won, but you won. So it's like, I don't yeah, so I'm not going at other candidates and, you know, I'm not trying to run a negative campaign. I'm running my campaign. I'm putting my message out, you know, what I think and what I believe. I don't really care about what the next person is doing, mm-hmm. you know, but a lot of people, they get, uh, they get scared and they get threatened and they try and come at you, you know, so you're going to always have haters, um, you know, I think there was a uh, there was that that one group. I'm not even gonna mention the name, <laughs> but yeah. that one group. You know, I I log on or someone tells me you know there's someone post screenshotted uh, something that I put on Instagram, and was saying something about oh I'm it's performative, but you know what at the end of the day you know what I call it I call it outreach. How do you engage people? You know you have to relate to them and show them how you know that. You know, we come from the same place. We have the same struggles. You know, I think a lot of it's, it's really. I think it's really just politics. And um, you know, I I understand that going into this race, that there are going to be people who are going to come at me. Um, and uh, you know, I have to stick to my principles. You know, I I am who I am. And, uh, you know, regardless of what they think, I'm going to still try and connect with people. I'm going to still build bridges in the community and I'm going to still um, support and run for the people. You know, that's how that's that's really what it's about. And that's what I'm about. Yes. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, so um, as you guys see, this is this is who he is. This is who he yeah. is. Yeah. And so if you're if you know. This is this is who he is. So we're gonna move into our last segment, which is quick and unfiltered. Because I know, again, you guys, he's busy. Like I said, he has he has TV stuff and all of that. <laughs> um, so um, the way this goes is that you'll have like a minute to try and answer um, all these questions. Um, so I'm gonna the questions follow is um, what is your favorite sport, your favorite song, your favorite artist, 
and your favorite um, show currently that you watch? So what's my favorite? Uh, so the first question. Yeah, what's your favorite sport? Uh, football. I grew up playing football. I love football, but now given the Kaepernick situation, I've kind of taken a step mm -hmm. back. <laughs> yeah. You know, I say football. So, and my favorite uh, artist, like our music, or what's the second well, one? The second one is what's your favorite song currently? Um, I like the song by uh, DJ Mustard featuring was it Roddy Rich? Uh, yeah, I'm for the new yeah. Yeah, I like that song. You know. Yeah. And then, uh, it's what's your favorite artist? Artist, um, I like uh, Jay Z. Yeah, yeah, Jay Z. He's like, he's like the Al Green. He's like the the old school, like you know that, you know. He's like that Al Green of hip hop. You know the yeah. the Marvin Gaye of hip hop. You know. Exactly. So, yeah. And lastly, what is your favorite movie or Netflix show? Um, I like Narcos. Uh, you know, when it first came out, you know, my wife, she's Colombian, so. <laughs> you know, I met her in Colombia. So I, I, I like Narcos. Um, I really don't watch too many movies. I like Black Panther, you know, given that was probably the, the one of the last movies that I really, really liked. Um, um, yeah, so those two. Yes. Um, so if you guys got to end, thank you for listening. Again, this is Webster. And do you have any last words you would say to any of the people that may be confused or there's like, what do I do? Do I vote? What would you, what do you say to them? Um, I say I, I appreciate you know guys listening and if you're <laughs> you know and I appreciate your support um, and I'm running really to represent you and be an advocate for you on the council. Got it. Again, this is the Unfiltered DJ podcast. Some of you guys may be watching right here, and then some of you guys are listening. Um, again, make sure to check all the social medias and where can they follow you at? Uh, Web Four EPA on Instagram, or you can find me on Facebook, Webster um, U Lincoln. Um, and yes, web for EPA and Instagram. Yes. Again, thank you all. This is um, Filter DJ podcast and we are out. Thank you all. Uh, yep.